Welcome into episode 11 of College Sports Today here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. I am your host, Hamilton Neal. As always, we thank you so very much for taking the time to join us yet again this week. We have a ton of stuff to get into. We are so glad that you are here. As always, we'll get things started off tonight with news from right here at Lenoran University. We'll talk about the LR men's and women's basketball teams. Both have been in action over the last week. We'll talk about their games and what they've been up to. We'll then go over into our college football segment. There, we'll have a full recap of the college football playoff national championship game where the Georgia Bulldogs took home their first title since 1980, defeating the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll then wrap up our show with our men's and women's college basketball segment. Here tonight, we're going to talk some recruiting news. Next week, we'll get back to our normal format with our top five games over the last week. But again, as usual, we're going to start with Lenoran Sports and the Lenoran men's basketball team as they dropped their ninth straight game and third straight against ranked opponents as they fell at Lincoln Memorial back last Saturday afternoon by a score of 93-62. to Kevin Kangu led LR with 12 points for the game. Cooper Fowler had 10 points and team-high six rebounds. Nas Tyson added four steals as well. Leading the Lincoln Memorial Rail Splitters was Alex Dollingy at 20 points. Jordan Guest added 16 Jordan Walters, Chase Rankin, and Martez Brown added 14, 11, and 10, respectively. Lenoran had never played three ranked teams in a row until this stretch. The 31-point loss is the largest defeat for the Bears this season, and LR's largest defeat since dropping a 103-59 contest at Lincoln Memorial on January 27, 2018. LR was out-rebounded for the 14th time on the season. LMU shot 54.5% from the field, the highest an opponent has shot against the Bears so far this season. With that loss, LR dropped to 3-11 overall, 2-9 in South Atlantic Conference play. Lincoln Memorial, with that victory, improved to 12 and 2 overall, 9 and 2 in the conference. Moving forward to Wednesday night, the Bears broke their 9-game losing streak with a convincing win over Virginia Wise by a score of 100 to 67 at home at Shuford Gymnasium. The Bears topped 100 points for the first time since beating Mars Hill 107 to 98 on February 26th of 2020. LR had 24 assists and just 3 turnovers for the game. This is the 84th all-time game that Lenoran has reached triple digits in the scoring column and the ninth under head coach Everett Sullivan. The Bears were 74-10 all-time when scoring 100 points in a game. This was the second time LR beat Virginia Wise by over 30 points. Four players were in double figures for LR, led by TJ Nesmith. He had 17 points in 17 minutes of action. Nas Tyson had 15 points. Jalen Johnson and Kevin Kangu added 12 as well. With the win, Lenoran improves their record to 4-11 overall, 3-9 in South Atlantic Conference play. They drop UVA-wise to 1-14 overall, and 0-12 in South Atlantic Conference play. The Bears will next take on Carson Newman Saturday afternoon at home at Shuford Memorial Gymnasium. Returning to the court for the first time since December 20th, the Lenoran women's basketball team fell 72-70 to visiting Virginia Wise. Emily Harmon's jumper and Hannah Stoll's putback attempt in the final seconds just missed as the Bears attempted to send the game into overtime. Brandy Hudson scored a career-high 27 points for the Bears in the loss. It had been 23 days since the Bears last took the court in a 73-61 win over Newberry before that contest. This was just the fifth all-time meeting between these two teams. The Bears won the series in 2020, and the Cavaliers swept the series last year. Both teams entered this game shooting 40% from the floor, averaging 26 rebounds a game, and committing 19 turnovers a game. UVA-wise averages 64.8 points per game on the season, while the Bears are averaging 62.3. The win was the Cavaliers' first road win of the season. Virginia-wise was 0-7 away from home prior to this win. 
Again, that's what's going on right now with our LR men's and women's basketball teams. First, I want to talk about the men's squad a little bit and what they were able to do splitting those games between Lincoln Memorial and Virginia Wise. The home contest against Lincoln Memorial was, as I mentioned, their third straight against a ranked opponent. They had played Lincoln Memorial on the road, then they were at Queens, and then taken on LMU again at Shuford Gymnasium. Such a tough team to play because of their offensive prowess, because of their ability to knock in shots from anywhere on the floor, and the options that they have. The personnel that they put out there on the floor, very hard to stop. We talked about Alex Dalling. We talked about Jordan Guest last time on the show. It was last week. We talked about the other game between LMU and LR. Those two guys played a big role in that win. They did the same here in this contest, and they got some other guys involved as well. Jordan Walters, Chase Rankin, Martez Brown. We mentioned that those three had 14, 11, and 10 each. When you got five guys scoring in double figures, giving up 93 for the game, it's going to be really tough to win. And that's what we've continued to talk about with this LR men's squad every single week here on the show, is that usually their defense has been pretty solid here in this game broke down pretty good against a Lincoln Memorial team who, again, is very high-powered on the offensive side of the ball, as they always have been. That's how they're built as a basketball team, and that's why they've been so successful over the years. LR as well continued their struggles offensively here in this game as well. Only 62 points on the scoreboard. At that point, they had dropped to 3-11 and overall, 2-9 and in the conference. Got a bounce-back win, got a get-right win against a Virginia Wise team who, again, on the season is 1-14 overall, 0-12 in the South Atlantic Conference. There aren't many other teams struggling more than LR in this conference right now, but Virginia-wise is one of them. They've had an extremely tough season. They have not been able to get anything going game in and game out. LR hitting the century mark here in this game, as we mentioned, for the first time since February 26, 2020, in a win over Mars Hill. Balanced scoring attack. We mentioned that four guys were in double figures, led by Nesmith with 17, Tyson, Johnson, Kangu, 15, 12, and 12. It's this type of balance. It's this type of scoring consistency that is going to help LR be more successful and it's going to help them win games. But I want to be real with you guys here. This was Virginia Wise, not Lincoln Memorial or Queens or Carson Newman coming up. It's going to be tough to replicate this type of performance. It's a great win for LR to get their confidence back, just to get a win after dropping nine in a row. I get that, and I completely understand that, but we got to look at the quality of opponent you're playing here. You're playing the bottom team in the South Atlanta Conference, a UVA Y squad, who again is 1-14 and overall, 0-12 in the conference, not taking anything away from LR winning this game, but there are many tough opponents coming up. It's going to be hard for them to put up this type of offensive production because we haven't seen them do it. We have not seen them consistently put together great offensive performances game in and game out with the exception of this one in the last two months, really since the season has started. So we'll see how things go in their upcoming games. Again, Carson Newman is up next there Saturday at home, trying to get to 5-11 and overall. Right now they sit at 4-11 and overall, 3-9 and in the sack. The LR women's basketball team, over the last couple of weeks, we've mentioned they've had a ton of postponements. They had not played since December 20th, taking on a Virginia Wise team who, just like they have, been struggling on the season. UVA Wise, with this win, improves only to 4-11 overall, 4-8 in the South Carolina Conference. LR, with the loss, drops to 4-7, 3-6 in the league. Close game, tight throughout. Credit to LR for playing this consistently after being off of the floor for that long, three or four games postponed, it's hard to come back and shoot consistently. This was their first game since a win over Newberry, 73-61. to We mentioned Emily Harmon and Hannah Stoll late, trying to get the game into overtime. Just wasn't enough overall. Brandy Hudson had a career-high 27 points. We've talked about her over the course of the season being so consistent for this squad continuing to bring it game in and game out, and I think this is a player that LR has to continue to utilize in this way. 
when you look at Hudson and Harmon and Matty Dillinger, that's really been the trio that this squad has been able to rely on game in and game out. We haven't seen much production or consistency from any other players outside of those three. As long as they continue to bring it, they're going to have a chance to win games. We'd like to see some other players step it up as well because this is a critical time in the season. You know, we're at mid-January, we're in the thick of conference play. you got to start getting wins because we're talking about conference tournament positioning at this point. LR can continue to rise these standings if they can get some wins. Again, right now they sit at 4-7 and seven overall, 3-6 and six in the South Atlantic Conference. Big game coming up for them as well against Carson Newman. We'll see how things go there as well. LR men's and women's basketball just trying to get things going. Like I said, we're about the midway point of the regular season. This is the time where you've got to start getting some wins. This is the time where you need to know what your identity is as a team. And if you don't know, you better figure it out soon sooner rather than later because again very very important time in the season very critical stretch of games coming up for both our lr men's and women's basketball teams that's again all we have in our lr sports segment tonight spring sports are on the horizon spring sports are coming up we're going to have so much more to talk about in this segment over the next couple of weeks as we go into the next month or so as february is upon us but at this point lr men's and women's basketball really some of the only stuff we have to talk about here in this segment again in the upcoming weeks, we're going to have much more to talk about in this segment. Again, the LR men's basketball team splitting a pair of games between Lincoln Memorial and Virginia Wise. The women's squad falling there at two Wise, 72-70 to 70 back on Wednesday. Let's now go into our second segment of the show where we're talking at college football and the college football playoff national championship game. A tilt between SEC powerhouses, number one seed Alabama, and number three seed Georgia. This game was played back on Monday, January 10th. Not only was it a matchup of the two best teams out of the Southeastern Conference, but it was a rematch of the SEC Championship game, which was played back in December, a 41-24 win. That was for number one seed Alabama. Coming into this game, there were so many questions about the Georgia Bulldogs and their ability to finish or their inability to get over that hump to get over the Alabama Crimson Tide. And on Monday night, that is exactly what they did, taking down the number one seed Bama by a score of 33-18. An outstanding performance all the way through from this Georgia squad, leading the charge for them all game long, was quarterback Stetson Bennett. He went 17 of 26 passing for 224 yards and two touchdowns. They leaned heavily on that run game led by Jameer White. 13 carries, 84 yards, and one touchdown as well. George Pickens had one catch for 52 yards. Donnie Mitchell had two receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. Brock Bowers had four catches for 36 yards and one touchdown. Very balanced attack for this Georgia Bulldogs team, as it was for the Alabama Crimson Tide as well. Early on in this game, it was a defensive struggle. First quarter, Alabama finished things up leading at three to nothing. Second quarter, the team's tied at 6-6. 9-6 lead for Alabama going into halftime. This is not what anybody expected coming into this game. We expected more offensive fireworks. We expected more long drives down the field leading to seven. That is not what was happening in that first half. Again, field goals for both Alabama and Georgia. The second half is where things got very interesting. Both teams still struggling to move the football. Georgia got a drive going. Georgia got some things going offensively. Punched one into the end zone. Only 7-0 Georgia in that third quarter. 13-9 going into the fourth. And in the final round, that is really where all the fireworks took place after that. Alabama starts driving the football down the field. Bryce Young starts hitting his wide receivers. They start getting into that flow. They get into the red zone. 
and they try to punch it in for another touchdown. They can't do it. They miss on first, second, and third and goal. They have to settle for a field goal. They're down 13-12. to 12. Then at that point, Georgia gets the football back. Stetson Bennett's flushed out of the pocket, fumbles the football on a play that initially maybe looked like an incomplete pass. They took a look at it. Alabama recovers in the red zone. They take it in for a touchdown. They try a two-point conversion, but they miss. They try to go up by seven, and instead they're only up by five. So instead of 20-13, to score was set at 18-13. to And then following that turnover, Georgia gets the football back, and they really start to get things going. They open up the passing game with Stetson Bennett. They end up going back to the run later, but on this drive, they realized we got to open it up. We got to throw the football. If we want to beat these guys, we're going to have to make some things happen with some shots down the field. Credit to Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, for recognizing Stetson Bennett's arm talent and the connection he has with his wide receivers. And that's where he got his two touchdown passes was late in the fourth quarter. One to Mitchell. Again, he had two catches for 50 yards in that one TD. Alabama then can't convert. Georgia gets the football back. The Bulldogs drive it down the field again with Samir White and with James Cook in the backfield. That two-headed monster was so consistent for them all game long. And then he hits Brock Bowers at the end of the drive for a short touchdown. They then go up 26-18. to Alabama late in the game on their drive where they're trying to go and tie the game. Bryce Young forces a ball up into double coverage. Keely Ringo picks it off, takes it in for a touchdown, and that was all she wrote. 33-18, Georgia wins the national championship. This is their first national title since 1980, taking down Goliath in the Alabama Crimson Tide. For Bama here in this game, quarterback Bryce Young went 35-57 passing for 369 yards. One touchdown, he did have two interceptions as well. Brian Robinson Jr. had 68 yards on 22 carries. Leading receiver in this game was Cameron Latu, five catches, 102 yards, and one touchdown. Reason for that was because their star wide receiver, Jamison Williams, went down with a knee injury in the second quarter. He only had four catches for 65 yards here in this one. Missed the entire second half. That was definitely a factor in why Alabama's offense continued to struggle. Ja'Cory Brooks and Slade Bolden, two guys we mentioned on this show that really had to step up, had solid games. Brooks, six catches, 47 yards. Bolden, seven catches for 44 yards. You just think, going into that second half, if Jamison Williams is in the game, do they get some of those shots downfield that they weren't able to convert? Do they get more points? Is the result different? You know, the way that Georgia defense played, I, I really don't think so. Georgia was, as Kirk Herbstreit said on the broadcast, an angry football team. They saw how humiliated they were and how dominant Alabama was against them in the Southeastern Conference Championship game, and no one on that defensive side was going to let that happen again. They weren't going to let Bryce Young sit back and pick them apart. Their pass defense stepped up. Give credit to the guys back there on the back end. Give credit to the guys up front getting consistent pass rush. The guys at the second level like N'Kobe Dean, they just played incredible all the way through. And for Stetson Bennett to get all the way here to this championship game, to lead this squad to a national title, again, their first since 1980, amazing story. He was a preferred walk-on at Georgia, was frustrated, wasn't getting playing time, left, went the JUCO route. Georgia then offers him a scholarship. They want him to come back. Wasn't really sure on it. He had already verbally committed to Louisiana at that point. This was in 2019. Ends up coming back to Georgia. Still doesn't get that quarterback. Still is not QB1 like he wanted to be. Going into 2020, they bring in JT Daniels from USC, who was the starter early on in the season for Georgia. They brought in Jamie Newman, a transfer from Wake Forest. Dewan Mathis, a five-star recruit at QB. He was the fourth guy on the depth chart. He ends up starting in 2020, 
winning over his teammates, winning over this locker room, he ends up, because of the injury to JT Daniels earlier this year, gets back into the starting lineup and leads this team to a national championship. Just an incredible story for him. Clutch plays down the stretch. He talked about that he wasn't going to be the reason they lost this game after that fumble that led to the touchdown. You know, there were some doubts there on the Georgia side. Not with Stetson Bennett. These guys believed in him and he believed in himself. That's ultimately what gets you over the hump. You got to put that belief in yourself that you can go out there and win the football game. And he was clutch. He was just so good down the stretch in this game and leaned on that run game, had some clutch passes, as I mentioned. And they finished the season 14 and 1. One of the great defenses they put out there on the field in the history of college football. You look at the numbers, it backs that up. This offense did enough to win the game. And that's what we talked about last week. Stetson Bennett was going to have to play turnover-free football, and he did that. This defense was going to have to come up with big plays on the front and on the back end. They did that, and now they're national champions. So everything that I laid out last week that they needed to do to win this game, they did it, and they are national champions. Great season for Alabama as well. Incredible run by Nick Saban's team. Just not enough late to get the win. Bryce Young, this whole squad, going to be back next year. They're going to lose some guys. But the thing about Alabama and all these elite programs, they reload. They don't rebuild. They're going to bring in tons more talent. They're going to be right back here next year, I bet you, and going to have another great season. But for the Georgia Bulldogs, this was a long time coming, especially after what happened four years ago in the 2018 National Championship where they lost to Alabama. Crimson Tide comes storming back, wins it, led by Tua Tagovailoa. All of those memories for Georgia Bulldog Nation were really coming back over this course of time. You see them matching up against Alabama, and everyone was, again, as I mentioned at the top, everyone was asking, could they get it done? Could they get over that hump? Was it something that could be done? And the answer is yes. Georgia, right there with Alabama all season long, had the best overall team in college football. Alabama may have had the best offense at times during the course of the season. Georgia had the best defense. They had the most cohesion on their squad, and we saw that last night. Congrats to the Georgia Bulldogs, 2021 national champions, taking down the Alabama Crimson Tide by a score of 33-18. And that wraps up an incredible college football season here in 2021. We were able to cover so much on this show. We came on about halfway through the course of the season, and for us to be able to cover the end of the regular season, the conference title games, the bowl games, the college football playoff. It's been a pleasure for us to talk about it here on this show. And again, congratulations to Coach Kirby Smart and Georgia. They are 2021 national champions. Again, great finish to the college football season. As I mentioned last week, this is one of the best seasons we've had in quite some time. And so many great moments all the way through. So much, so many great games. And again, the climax was Georgia 33-18 to over the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's now head into our final segment of the show where we're again talking men's and women's college basketball. As I mentioned at the top, here in the segment tonight, we're going to do things a little bit different than normal. Usually, we go over our top five games from the last week. We break down those, talk about the impact that those contests have. We're going to get back to that normal format coming up next week here in tonight's segment. We're going to talk some big recruiting news that has come in over the last week or so. We have a lot of big stuff to talk about. We're going to start with the news out of men's college basketball recruiting and 2023 five-star point guard Kylan Boswell. He has cut his list down to eight schools. He is now considering Arizona, Illinois, Kansas, Michigan, Oregon, Texas Tech, UNLV, and USC. He's ranked 11th overall and 3rd at the point guard position in the class according to 247 Sports. A blue blood school that was showing interest, that was recruiting him, but did not offer 
was the Kentucky Wildcats, and they miss out here not making that top eight list. Kylan Boswell, one of the best players, not just at his position, where we mentioned he's ranked third nationally, but in the entire country, ranked 11th overall. According to 247 Sports, he's absolutely worthy of that ranking. When you turn on the tape, when you watch film of him, you see a couple of different things jump out right away. For me, it's his defensive chops. It's his defensive ability to lock down all of the perimeter positions. He can guard the ones, he can guard the twos, he can guard the threes. As you know, when we're talking about high school basketball, he can also guard some fours and even some fives. At the college level, obviously going to be a little bit different. I see him as a perimeter wing defender, and you couple that with his offensive ability as a knockdown shooter, a guy who's confident in his ability to rise up, you got a great two-way player here. Some guys have the offense first, the defense has to come around later. That's usually what we see with a lot of the high-level recruits. This is a guy who really has had it on both ends of the floor and has brought it consistently. I think he's just as good defensively as he is offensively, and you can't say that for many recruits around the nation. Kylan Boswell is the real deal, and for those eight schools, each one of them going to make an all-out effort to land this guy. When you're talking about favorites, I think you really got to point to Arizona first. Why? Because, number one, he's in-state, and number two, the relationship that Tommy Lloyd and his coaching staff has built with him and what they're building as a program over there, I think is super appealing. If I were a recruit, I would really consider playing for the Arizona Wildcats right now. they got so much going for them. They're back on the map nationally. Guys are really going to consider playing for them again, and that wasn't the case over the last couple of years. You could not say that at all with the top recruits in the nation. Colin Boswell and Arizona could be a great match. We've seen Illinois recruit over there a little bit. Kansas is always in need of a floor general. And then you look at some other West Coast schools like Oregon and USC. Those programs, very successful, very consistent from year to year. I would probably tab Arizona as the favorite right now. But again, a lot of things still yet to happen in this recruitment. And with Kentucky kind of out of the mix, opens things up for some of those other programs. So again, Kylan Boswell down to a list of eight, led by Arizona, Kansas, USC, Oregon, followed by some others as well. Let's now go over and talk about another highly touted 2023 point guard, four-star Jeremy Fears Jr. Back last week, he announced his commitment to Coach Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans. He's ranked 27th overall and 7th at the point guard spot in the class. He's also rated as the number one player in the state of Indiana, according to 247 Sports. Great addition here for Michigan State on a number of levels. He fits their system. He fits what they want to do on both sides of the basketball. And this is kind of the same thing we talked about with Kylan Boswell a minute ago. Jeremy Fears has that two-way ability. He's a little bit different, though, than Kylan in that He's not really a jump shooter. He, he's not going to beat you with that jumper as much from the mid-range or from the three-point line. He still is coming around. He's still a little raw on that side. He still needs to polish things up with his jumper, but his slashing skills and his ability to get to the rim and the balance he finds between that and passing, just outstanding. And that's why I think he's slightly underranked at this point in the 247 sports rankings at number 27. I would have him as a top 20 player just because of the ability offensively, again, to put his head down, go to the rim, which he's very confident in doing, but also passing the basketball. He is a true floor general. And, you know, when we talk about point guards in the modern age of basketball, you know, a lot of them are starting to become more like shooting guards. They handle it, they can use the cross or whatever, and then they rise up with that jump shot, and that's like the hallmark of their game. That's what a lot of point guards are trying to do now, kind of model themselves after like a Steph Curry. Jeremy Fears is more of that old school point guard who can finish well around the rim. 
He's really great at tricking defenders into thinking that he's going to go to the rim, maybe shoot that mid-range jump shot, but he has great vision. He can dump it off for the pass, inside, outside, in transition. You're playing with him. You know that you're going to be set up well as a team. Just the way that he understands the game, has a high basketball IQ, uses a change of pace, a change of direction extremely well, which is, I think, kind of a lost art with point guards nowadays. Again, as I said, can draw those defenders in, deliver the timely and accurate pass, and he's quick as well, has a great quick first step. Really complete recruit in that way. Once he gets a jumper down, look out for this guy because he has every other part of his game down really well and going to be a huge addition for the Michigan State Spartans. Excited to see what he can bring to the table. Again, we mentioned Callum Boswell cutting his list to eight. Jeremy Fierce committing it to Michigan State. Some big headlines there coming in. In men's college basketball in regards to recruiting, in women's college basketball recruiting, huge piece of news coming in here as well as 2023 five-star guard Ashlyn Shade has announced her commitment to the UConn Huskies. She's ranked fifth overall and third at the guard spot in the class according to ESPNW. She chose UConn over Stanford, Notre Dame, Louisville, Indiana, North Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee. Shade joins five-star point guard Kamora Arnold in the Huskies' 2023 cycle. Amazing start for UConn here in this 2023 class. First, they bring in Kamora Arnold out of Wisconsin, who's a top 10 player overall, one of the best point guards in the entire country. Now you bring in Ashlyn Shade, who in my opinion is the best two guard in the class out of Noblesville High School in Indiana. Very complete, consistent, elite offensive player. When you look at her ability to not only put her head down and get to the rim inside and use those slashing skills, which are outstanding, but also beat you on the outside. This is really where she is so dangerous, shooting from the mid-range and the three-point line. As good a shooter as there is in the entire nation. Again, like I said, when you mix that with her ability to go inside, that's hard enough to stop, not to mention how well she moves without the basketball and creates space. When we're scouting two guards, when we're looking at players at that position, the thing that I look at is not only how consistently they're shooting, the way that they're kind of drawing people, but also how are they moving without the ball? When you look at all the top shooting guards out there, at whatever level of basketball it is, you see them move without the basketball. You see them creating space for themselves and making it that much harder on the defense. Ashlyn Shade does that as well. Very hard to stop her in that way. That's why she's always open. That's why she's always finding places to score because she's moving without the basketball. She's creating that space, losing defenders in that process. And this is exactly what UConn needs. UConn needs somebody who can create that space, who can find their own shot. I really don't think right now on their current roster, they have a player at that shooting guard spot who can make that happen. They have a great stable of guards. Paige Beckers, Kristen Williams, Avina Westbrook, all of those players are point guards. They really don't have that elite shooting guard. Ashlyn Shade coming in, not next fall, but in fall of 2023, is going to provide that. And that's something that's very much needed for them at this point. Kamara Arnold, the other player in this class for UConn, great floor general, consistent, has that ability to shoot it as well. Two great offensive talents here UConn is bringing in. And they're absolutely not done here in this class. I could see them adding two to three more players in this 2023 cycle. The next player that they want to land is Sierra Toomey, who's ranked third overall in the class out of Pennsylvania. Five-star forward prospect. I do think that they're heavily favored for her. Again, recruiting is never set in stone until that player signs, until that player commits. But I think Toomey is definitely a UConn lean at this point. Shade was not a UConn lean until very late in this process. Tennessee was the school that was tabbed as the favorite going back months ago. She had taken multiple visits there. It looked like she was going to commit there shortly. But then when she took an unofficial to UConn back last Sunday, 
taking in their win over Creighton at home, I think a switch flipped. I think she saw something in UConn. She saw that she could be part of this program and can play at this level and could be part of a culture and a family feel. That's obviously something that she was looking for in the recruiting process and apparently found that more in UConn than with a Tennessee, who again was the previous favorite. Late steal here for UConn, getting Ashlyn Shade. Huge commitment. Again, she's ranked fifth overall, third at the guard spot, according to ESPNW. Very exciting stuff when it comes to college basketball recruiting, and this is something that we're going to talk more and more about on this show as we go through each week. Again, next week, we'll get back to our normal format. We'll go over our top five games from the last week, starting around today going in too late next week so very excited to get to that very excited for all that we had here tonight as well this has been episode number 11 of college sports today here on wlrz 99.3 fm as always we thank you so very much for taking the time to join us we'll have another episode coming up next week we hope you join us there again this is hamilton neal signing off i'll see you in the next episode thank you for listening